white, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off. I'm Katie. I'm Beth. And this is Pre-PA Clinic, and we are here with the most exciting episode. We're interviewing Holly Apodaca, PAD. Hi, Holly. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Let the listeners know a little bit more about you. Tell us about your background and what drew you to the PA profession. Well, I've been a certified physician assistant since 2011. I graduated in 2010. I worked in family practice for several years and urgent care. It was kind of a little of a combo of both. And then I worked in occupational medicine for a while. And then I actually went into full-time teaching. Of physician assistant students, which was really enjoyable. I actually enjoyed each one of those different paths that I took. You know, there's a variety of reasons that drew me to each one of those, which I can kind of elaborate more on later. But as far as what led me to the PA profession, I had explored several different careers actually prior to entering into PA school. So I had originally went in to my undergrad thinking that I was going to become a pharmacist. And so I worked as a pharmacy tech for actually several years and then realized that it was a little too monotonous for me. There wasn't enough thinking involved. Sure, sure. That yeah. sounds really <laughs> terrible. Nope. Because I'm not putting pharmacists it. down at all whatsoever. <laughs> I guess it would depend on which like particular facility you're working at. But the one I was at, I was at a CVS. It was just you know, a lot of counting, verifying the bills, answering really simple questions to people who came in. And so I just didn't envision that being something that I would enjoy like in the long term. So then I started doing a lot of shadowing. And so I shadowed surgery through the University of Tennessee. And I also did shadowing in several different practices with family practice, actually. And then one one in urgent care. And I just really talked to some physician assistants in person and they really liked their job and seemed really positive about it. And so I just felt like it was the right fit for me. So that's what I went after. No regrets. Very so, cool. So did you ever consider MD or DO or NP? I, I all of those. But I didn't want to do MD or DO because I didn't feel like that there was enough difference. Some people would disagree with that opinion. You know what I mean? But I felt like that ultimately would be my end point of what I wanted to do with my career wasn't what it would take to become an MD. You know what I mean? It just felt like so much more schooling and stress. And I just felt like that what I wanted to do at the end, I would prescribing, working patients up, ordering tests, providing appropriate treatment, all that, that it was so similar that I didn't feel like that I needed to, to do the MD route. I also knew I wanted to have a family, and I knew that to go to be an MD was going to really interfere with that as far as being my long-term goal. So so when you're applying to PA school, CASPA has changed a lot, but that still had it way back when. What what were some of your strengths of your application? What were some of your weaknesses of your application? Can you walk us through like the application process for you? Sure. I did want to answer one more thing that you mm-hmm. said because you asked about NP. Mm-hmm. I did consider doing NP also, but I like the fact that PAs had a lot more flexibility, you know, as far as being able to transition from like one specialty to another. And so that's basically why I kind of ruled that one out. Felt like I really liked the model to the medical model, but physician assistants were taught under. So that's why I didn't, I just wanted to explain that why I didn't do the NP route. So, and I was, and honestly, after I rotated with NPs, like as part of my PA education, I found that to be a very good choice because <laughs> I, I mean, that sounds so bad, but I felt like I always knew more than they did about things, but that was just my experience. Some other people, again, might disagree with that opinion. So as far as your question about strengths and weaknesses to my application, I would say my strongest points to my application were I had a really high GPA. I had like graduated with honors, you know, and like I had a pretty, I guess you could say a pretty good degree, like um, 
my degree was in biochemistry, so it was very heavily weighted towards sciences, which is what the physician assistant profession, you know, when you're putting your application, they want to see that you had hard classes that you've done well in. That it wasn't just like exercise science, you know, that you scored an A and that you actually took like organic chem, biochemistry, genetics, things that have more value as far as your ability to be able to understand hiring concepts and be able, not just that you passed that class with a C, but that you did well in it. I also had a lot of experience, I had a lot of experience as far as like working as a pharmacy technician, which in some schools, they don't count that as heavily as others, but I had also a lot of shadowing hours as well and, and really good letters of recommendation. But as far as weaknesses, it would have been looked even better on me to have had like a paid position where I had worked say as a nurse or something like, like patient that. Very, care experience very hours. hands-on yeah. patient care experience hours. I only applied to two schools that I knew I could go to either one as far as like logistically they were feasible for me. Sure. And also I was kind of late in the cycles. They just kind of fell into where I could actually apply and I got accepted into both, you know, at the time. So I was pretty happy about that. I, I kind of felt like I could apply and get into most anywhere, but I know from that then to now, things have gotten even more competitive. Just think having a, a good GPA, making sure you've got some hard core sciences that you've done well on, making sure that you've got your clinical experience and that you've got some people to vouch for you that are, you know are going to write you, you know, good letters of recommendation is going to go a long ways as far as getting into PA school. Yeah, great tip. You go into whatever PA school you get accepted into. Yes, you know, yes. You get into multiple <laughs> PA schools, you pick the the one that's closest to home or the best fit for you, you know, then yeah. you can be picky. Right. I I think we that. say that all the time. The best program is the one that says yes to you. Yeah. Your background prior to college is really neat. You were homeschooled. How do you feel like that either hindered or helped your transition into PA school? Hmm, that's a really good question. I personally love being homeschooled. I was only homeschooled through high school, so some kids are like homeschooled all the way through school. I did went to public school just like every other kid, paid to eight. I took advanced classes in eighth grade, which I got high school credit for actually through my homeschooling. And when I did my homeschooling, I actually was pretty lazy about it at first. I mean, I'm a kid, right? I'm like 15 years old. <laughs> right. Like I play video games instead of like doing my schoolwork. It's like the truth. But I also didn't want to be like this high school dropout. And so I really buckled down one year and honestly, my parents were very unhelpful with it, but not because they couldn't be. They just put it on my shoulders, I guess you could say. You know, they were busy running their own business. My dad built houses for a living. It was like, you got to get your schoolwork done. We're not going to handle all of you. And so I just buckled down, got it done. And so that taught me to buckle down and get it done. So I can't speak for public school because I didn't go to high school public school, but I do feel like from what I hear is there's a lot more of your papers due and it's not due and then, okay, well, you can turn it in next week and this is what it covers and a lot more like, oh, helping. Whereas when you're homeschooled, it's very much more self-motivated. And so I don't think that homeschooling is necessarily right for every kid. There may be some kids that just would not work for, but if you, you have a child that can do the work, it tends to help in the sense of making them a lot more self-motivated to get it done, to read through material. Because again, you don't have somebody helping you. So you read through it, you, you figure out what you need to know, and you, then you're motivated to finish it yourself. You know, So all of it's really on you. And so it teaches you to like schedule your time better, to be more self-motivated, to study with a purpose. You know what I mean? Not just like aimlessly reading or just, I did this sort of work, but it's kind of with a laziness, you know? You become just more like my time's valuable and I'm going to learn this information, get it done, get it out of the way. And so I just felt like when I went to college, I found college to be so much easier than my peers because I felt like I was already used to the process. Because most of the time in college, the professors just don't care if you pass or not. 
they they really I mean that sounds so mean but they there's no hand holding they're like okay like drop out fail out whatever and I just was already used to just taking on that myself doing the work getting it done and so I did really well in college I had no problems with any of that about being motivated and making sure that I learned the material that was required so then when I went to PA school again it's the same thing just now amped up another level in other words, the expectations are even higher. The amount of ability to be able to like learn things at home is, is even higher. Because, of course, you can't learn that much information just sitting at your desk all day. You know, there's a lot of studying that happens in the evenings and on the weekends and stuff. And if you're used to doing that already, which I was, again, that kind of trained me in homeschool. Then it trained me, you know, during my undergraduate years. And then by the time I went to PA school, I felt, I felt really prepared for it. I did fine. Actually, I think you did more than fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, like, won the award of, like, 4.0 through PA school. Did you not? Um, that would not surprise me. <laughs> I don't think I got a 4.0 in PA school. I think I made one or two Bs. I can't remember. But it was something like that. So it wasn't quite a 4.0, but I did pretty good. I distinctly so. remember you winning an award <laughs> at our graduation. <laughs> there were only two of you out of our entire class that... That, like did so well that it got a fancy award at the end which is amazing <laughs> no I love it because what Holly is saying that like hey I've got these life skills that I learned early on to be time efficient to understand that you know time has a purpose to learn how to study and she brought those to PA school and so not just the knowledge that she gained from her biochemistry degree but also the knowledge she gained of how to study how to learn how to think served her so well in PA school. So listeners, if you're listening to this, these are the kind of things that you need to be learning when you're talking about how to prep for PA school, exactly what Holly is talking about. Learn time efficiency, learn how to learn, learn how to break down really hard concepts into manageable bites, and then you have to be self-motivated. She was so self-motivated to learn to do things on her own time, and that's exactly what you need to succeed in PA school. Yes, take initiative and responsibility for what you need to learn. For sure. One other thing, too, that I felt like that helped me, like, when I was in PA school at that point, and I did have some of that in undergrad, not quite as much, but, you know, you do group projects, you know, in undergrad and everything, which I didn't do as much because I was homeschooled. And, I mean, I always did well with that, but when you go to PA school, it's essential that you find some people that know the things you don't know. You know things they don't know, so they want to team up with you also. And so you find somebody that maybe had some clinical experience that you weren't familiar with, and then they say, oh, yeah, we always ordered that lab for this type of scenario. This is how that patient presented. I remember that. And then it's just really helpful because you may not have had the same experience they have had. And so don't don't just take it all on yourself as in, like, you have to learn everything alone. Try to find, you know, a few good friends that you can kind of team up with to study with and try to glean from their experience. So... Yes, I love that, right? You cannot succeed on your own. If you think you can, try doing a physical exam on yourself. <laughs> it doesn't work, I promise you. So exactly what Hall is saying, you've got to find your peers. Beautiful thing about PA school is that once you're accepted, you become part of that family, and we want everybody to succeed. So you definitely need to find your group or your niche. What tips do you have for students to survive didactic gear? Well, the one I just mentioned, find a good friend for some good friends and that are also going to contribute and not just take from you. They have yeah. to also give back. What I just said a minute ago is really pertinent. I would say time efficiency cannot be overemphasized because by the time you feel like, man, I just studied and I learned this, the next hour, a whole new set of expectations is on you. It goes so fast that you just oftentimes feel like you're just barely keeping your chin above water. You know, that you're just kind of drowning a little bit all the time. So make sure you try to, rather than getting behind, you never procrastinate. Always try to stay ahead of things. Yes. Uh, make sure that you um, use your time efficiently. 
like if you're really tired and trying to study, that's not good efficiency. Get sleep, then study, okay? Because if it's going to take you three times as long than to study because your brain fog. It's better to, because some students will stay up really late, for example, and they're super tired and then not do well the next day. It'd be better to just go ahead and go to sleep and then get up early when your brain is fresh to study then. So you have to just figure out what works for you. Another thing that I didn't realize at the time that now I can't emphasize enough is self-care, which is to exercise, make sure you eat good food, drink lots of water. And of course, we would tell anybody that. That seems like normal. Like, you're going to be like, I can go to anybody, you know? And they would tell me, take good care of yourself. But when you're under a lot of stress, as you would be in PA school, because it's very demanding of your time, you know, it just can't be emphasized enough because you don't want to go on lots of no sleep, lots of high stress, lots of caffeine, lots of poor diet, because that will ultimately that will catch up with you. And, you know, you don't want to get out of PA school with a bunch of health problems because you didn't take care of yourself. You want to get a PA school and thrive. You want to get your first job and be healthy because you've got so much more life left after PA school. You might think of PE, you know, graduating is the end of the road, but you're just beginning. Yes. You've got a whole life ahead of you. So you can't think of it as, as like, I'm going to do all of this almost to my own demise. Thrive during PA school so that the best years of life of your life are actually after PA school, not necessarily during PA school. I love that because so many people see PA school as like the goal, the end goal, and they have no further thought about what they're going to do afterwards, right? Because they're so focused on that. So those are really words to live by. And I think when we were going to PA school, like self-care wasn't the thing it is now. It wasn't like, you know, what the news is talking about. It wasn't the buzzwords. Like nobody ever really talked to me about like student as a student, like self-care. Like, it just wasn't one of the big me either. Um, yeah, political things. But now, you know, everybody talks about work care and self-care. And so I think that that's really great to know that like, hey, found out the hard way that you need to take care of yourself. When I worked in PA education, I would always counsel my advisees on that because you would be shocked at how much stress they would reveal to you. They were under. They complain of trouble sleeping or have just, a breakdown in your office. Yes, they would start yeah. crying almost for no reason. And I'm not trying to deter you at a PA school because that's not my point. My point is, is actually that's more of a manifestation of poor self-care. Because if you're making sure that you get enough sleep, because you'll always take from yourself, well, it's fine, I didn't study, so let me just skip tonight's sleep mm -hmm. so that I can be past that exam tomorrow. I'm like, you can't do that at PA school because as soon as that exam's over tomorrow, again, a whole new set of expectations come on you. And so, and then you have another exam the next day. And so, if you chronically live that way, it just is, you're going to age out of this world by the time that two to two and a half years is over. Mm -hmm. And so, you don't want to take PA school to take years off your life. You also don't want to look back on it and it be nothing but negativity in your brain. These terrible years. You want to look back. <laughs> this is what I call torture. PA school is torture, listeners. <laughs> you want to look back at PA school and say, feel proud of the fact that you were able to not only survive PA school, but that you actually have some fond memories of PA school, that there were good things that happened to you and that you came out on the other side and that you were you still had like your health and you still were had a lot of things to look forward to, I guess as well. And you don't want to let it drive you into the ground, which it can, because truth be told, you really can't learn everything in two to two and a half years. So there's always going to be this feeling of like, if I only knew more, if I only knew more, I mean, physicians graduate and they are still looking things up, right? So you're not going to graduate peace school and suddenly be all knowledgeable. And so with yes. that in mind, Again, you can drive yourself into the ground with this feeling of like, I'm never going to know it all. So rather than doing that and like having all kinds of stress, it'd be better for you to learn as much as you can, do the best you can and take care of yourself. Yeah. And that's such a great point mm -hmm. because nobody really talks about that first year once you graduate and how like 
terrifying it can be. You graduate PA school knowing pretty much everything that you're, you know, as much as you can possibly know book-wise. Yes. And then you go into practice, and then that first year is really scary, and not many people talk about that. Like, I went to ER, and I would wake up at, like, 4 a.m., like, oh, my God, I should have admitted that patient, you know, and, and constantly, like, worrying for that first, like, six months to a year and being really scared that you're going to make a mistake. So very few people talk about that. Yeah, I, I love the way she said, like, you can't, you're not going to learn everything in two and a half years. Yeah. Like, just put it out there. You're not going to learn it. And that's so true. But this is why we learn how to read studies and how to look things up and how to find legitimate resources and how to collaborate with other providers. Because it's true. Nobody has all the answers. Even physicians are talking to each other and do counseling. I mean, I talk to my coworkers all the time, like, hey, what do you think about this? And they ask me what I think about this fracture or whatever. And so just, I love the fact that she just brings it out there. You're not going to know everything. So don't kill yourself trying to think that you should. What are your best tips for getting through clinical year? Always show up early. Thank okay. you. Yes. Never be late. <laughs> always, always be professional at every rotation because whoever you rotate with, those, these are going to people who are going to vouch for you when you go to get your first job. So you are very professional. You're attentive. You pay attention to which you're, whoever you're following, whatever provider you're following around for the day. You take notes. You show that you're actively engaged. The worst thing you can do is go stand in the corner and play on your phone. Mm -hmm. You may yeah. think that that's actually, like, who would do such a thing? You may be listening to this right now. They do. We have students that do this. And then we are like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Maybe you don't want to go into family practice when you're done. Maybe your goal is to do, like, dermatology. But you go into family practice and you look like somebody who wants to go into family practice yes, when they're yes, done. Yes. Okay. Every so rotation the, is your favorite rotation. Exactly. Every rotation you're per, because you have to realize that that provider that you're following around didn't have to take you as a student. Mm -hmm. They had 10 or 20 or however many students that were lined up to try to get that rotation. Okay. So every rotation needs to be treated like gold. You're so thankful they took you that you are just eager to be there. You always show up on time. And again, professionalism cannot be overstated. Yes. Also, make sure you study for each rotation. Like you look up patients from maybe the previous day that you weren't fully understanding what went on. You come in the next day and say, hey, I'll look this up. And maybe I have a couple questions about why you handled it this way. Most people who you rotate with are very, as long as they can tell that you're actually engaged and this is a genuine question. Like that's coming from a place of like you're eager to learn from them. Most people are very accommodating and actually very happy to answer your questions in that regard, you know. But if you look like someone who's disinterested, who hasn't done their part as far as studying, and then you're just asking really basic questions, maybe they don't even make sense, then that provider is going to be frustrated with you and probably will not give you like the best evaluation at the end. So professionalism is absolutely the number one thing to survive your clinical year. If you have questions about how to be professional to, in whatever program you get accepted to, just ask your faculty because trust me, they've seen all the unprofessional and can greatly direct you. <laughs> true that, so, true that. Yeah, just be a nice person. When I finished my rotation, not every student did this, but I always gave them like a card, you know, and sometimes like I would get like a little food item or something or make something from home that wherever they, like, I don't know, some type of dessert or something like that that they could eat over their lunch break. But that was just me. Not everybody does it, but just, just a way to show appreciation that they took you as a student and took the time to teach you on that rotation. So Yeah, and we highly recommend at least a thank you card, if not something similar like that. Yeah. So you're a mom yes, of three yes. beautiful kids. Um, talk to us about how you juggle being a PA and a mom. It was hard. <laughs> 
it was very worth it, but for any one of you who are planning on going into the PE profession and being a mother, it's definitely, it's, it's a hard role because you're essentially working two full-time jobs all the time. So, I mean, the best tips that I can give you as far as surviving that would be to make sure that you have a support system wherever it is that you work. So when you graduate, it probably is not the best idea to pick a job that's way away from family, unless you have an incredibly supportive partner that you can count on fully. It, if you both are working like 60 hour week jobs, it's probably going to be really hard to raise children under those circumstances. You know, so somebody, you know, kind of has to take a little bit, maybe have a step back, maybe a little bit, just hours, you know, on their job while you're doing that. So, you know, just make sure you get as much support as possible. And so maybe your first job out of school could be somewhere close to parents or grandparents or siblings, just somebody who know, you know, that can help you during those years, especially when they're little, because it's a lot to try to be working your full-time job, making sure you get off on time so you can go pick up the kid from whatever childcare that they're at. It's just really helpful if you had a family member that could go pick them up themselves instead. Or if they, the child gets sick, so you don't have to take a sick day from your job. So there's somebody else that you know that would be willing, like, like I said, family or, or your partner that can help them watch the kid instead. So just, to, just try to create as much support and flexibility with your circumstances as possible while trying to raise your family. So it's totally doable, but you have to set yourself up for success. Yeah, Holly makes a great point about it not being like an eight to five job. Like you, you can't just clock out at five, even if the work isn't done. If you still got patience, if you still got charts, you just can't leave. And so she makes a really great point of like having a backup or having some sort of plan. So when you're three or four patients behind and you have to see patients past five and the daycare closes at six o'clock, like what are you going to do? And so I think that that's really, really smart. Just some pre-planning about what you're going to do when, you know, you can't leave because it's not an office job that you can just clock out and then clock back in the next day. So that's really, really some great tips there. Tell us about the specialties you've worked in. I've worked in family practice and urgent care, and I've worked in occupational medicine for a bit. And I also did some work at a pre-medical clinic here in the Knoxville area for a while. I also worked in a teaching PA students. I interviewed so many pre-PA students, so <laughs> I have quite a few things to say to you about interviewing. You let's know. have it. Yes, let's yes. have it. Um, Drop us some wisdom very professional during your interview make mm -hmm. your application as good as possible that's things you can't change i guess prior to the interview but if you can show me during your interview that you're quite medically knowledgeable and you come across as very sincere and why you're wanting to go be a pa and you're you seem really like i have a good heart like it's going to go a long way during your interview but if you come in and you seem a bit unprofessional or disinterested or the passion isn't there you're the people who are interviewing you even if you if we, it's actually the worst that you could do is actually memorize all of your answers because you seem very rehearsed and your interviewers can totally pick up on the fact that maybe this is your seventh interview and this is just you're just a little computer that's just reciting the same thing to everyone the more natural you can come across during your interview and just genuinely from the heart, describing why it is you want to be a PA and expressing to them your medical experience has led you to make this decision. That's going to just go really far for you during your interviews. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. So what was your favorite out of all those positions? I really liked urgent care a lot, but that's just me. Everybody's a little bit different, but I worked in um, Sevier County for a long time, and so we had a lot of tourists. And they would come, you know, because Sevier County you has like Dollywood mm -hmm. and the, the Smoky Mountain National Park. And so we would have people who would come in that they just were on vacation and they were just super happy. You know, they just happened to like 
fall down while they were hiking, you sprained their ankle, or I had like a couple snake bites. I had some people that would just get sick while they were out of town. You know, it's normal. And then you make them feel better, and they would be very happy. I had some people who had emergencies while they were out of town, and you would get them properly treated, and they would literally bring you like a thank you card because they were just like, basically, I didn't die. Thank you so much for seeing that this was actually really serious. I've been in the hospital now for seven days, and you were the one that caught it. So thank you for taking care of me. It's always a great feeling. Yes. I, I That was just what I enjoyed because I, I just really liked the fact that people were, I guess you could say, happy to be at the doctor. It's hard to even describe that as opposed to this is a dreadful experience for them. Mm. And just that was pleasant for me. If you worked in... You know, it all depends on your practice, because if you worked mm-hmm. at, a, at a practice where your po- patient population is a little more grumpy, I could see that not being as fulfilling. So I would definitely say, just my two cents prior to accepting the position, it'd be nice to actually be able to talk to the current providers who work there and just see how satisfied they are with that the work that they're doing and what the patient population is like. You could ask if you could shadow a little bit before you actually start the job, just again, so you get a personal eye on of what the patient population is like and what the expectations are because if you get into a practice where you aren't happy then why did you go to PA school you want to be able to graduate like I said thrive like you went to school for a long time you paid a lot of money you worked really hard Mm -hmm. find something that brings you fulfillment that really brings you a lot of joy so that you look forward to going to work where you feel like you're making a difference yeah that's a great point so I uh, spent my first whatever however many years in the ER and the patient population there is typically, by the time I see them, they're aggravated, they're irritated, they've waited four to five hours, if not more, just to see me. And so they're already kind of kind of annoyed. And so past few years I've worked in aesthetics, which is totally a different, completely different personality set. Like all of my patients are super excited to get in my chair and my exam table. <laughs> they're really happy to, to see me um, as opposed to the ER where they'd be happy to see me, but they're, they're already pissed off because they've had to wait so long to see me. So it is very different. The work satisfaction is better in aesthetics just because my patients are already satisfied. Yeah, and maybe sense. and maybe that's the way I'm describing is, is like maybe your patient population aesthetics is just more appreciative. Yeah. You know, and so I felt the same way. I guess you could say my tourists were appreciative because we only have one hospital there in Sevier County, and it's a huge population, especially during busy times of year. One hospital, that's it. And so they wouldn't even dare because they would go by the hospital maybe before they came to our office, and they would be like, they said four hours minimum waiting room or longer, or even turn us away because it was non-emergent. Patients were just so appreciative to actually have somewhere to go and someone mm-hmm. – that actually cared and, and worked them up while they were obviously a little bit more vulnerable since they weren't near their home. Mm-hmm. And so they tended to be pretty appreciative. So that's what I liked about the position. And I just think that's probably true of any. Really, honestly, you could find a clinical job where your patient population is more happy to be there, more appreciative of you. You're going to find a lot more job satisfaction, even if it's like, say, lower pay than another position that, say, paid more, but the patients are all grumpy and unhappy mm-hmm. and Absolutely. And I also think that that leads to burnout, like provider burnout. Yeah, it's Um, a real thing. Yes, absolutely. So like working those first like few years I worked in the ER, it was great. I loved it. Like I was taking care of patients and, you know, making an impact on their health conditions and it was awesome. And then for the past five years or so, they've had a lot of like legislation changes and changes in insurances and that sort of thing. There's definitely been a shift in patients' satisfaction for sure past few years have been like really led to my 
my change in specialties to aesthetics just because I was so burnt out on like someone hating me before I even walked in the room, even though I was there to help. Yeah, and when you talk about day after day, patient after mm-hmm. patient, you know, and really it only takes one patient to kind of ruin your whole day, you know, yeah. to just make it like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe it. And so when you're seeing that hours after hours, you're doing 12-hour shifts, yeah. you're working weekends and holidays away from your family, that it's nice in the PA profession that you can change jobs if you're finding that, hey, this job doesn't satisfy me anymore. So we have a lot of students that go into, for example, ER right out of PA school because they're young, because they don't have kids, because they don't mind work weekends and holidays, but then they become moms and dads, and all of a sudden they want to be there for ballet practice. They want to see their kids play on the weekends, and so they switch to something else like urgent care maybe or family practice because it doesn't fit with their lifestyle anymore. So PA is a job that you can do that. You can work part-time. You can work in a different specialty, you know, that type of thing. So I think that that's really unique in our profession. Although I love working as a PA, I tend to do it more part-time these days just to kind of put more of an emphasis on my family, but I'm very blessed to have a supportive spouse and that I have been able to kind of take like a more uh, like backseat role in that regard in order to raise my kids. But as far as like the long, long term, I absolutely would want to give back with the skills that I have, you know, to my patients. For listeners that are interested in giving back to their community at free clinics, what are what's a good way to, to do that? Uh, you honestly just contact them. They're looking always looking for help because it's obviously you know a big need. Uh, you can work volunteer those type of clinics usually, and then they of course provide you support staff. It's really great in that regard. I mean, it's unpaid, but it's pretty fulfilling since you get to help people who would not get care otherwise. You but a lot of them actually get like grants to where they can hire providers as well. So if that would be something that you'd be interested in doing full time, then you can get paid for it. So you just reach out to them, find out who the contact person is. There is essentially, I mean, this is going to sound bad, but no risk of getting sued because they're protected under multiple levels of regulation as far as like patients can't sue you essentially because they're getting their care for free. So you know, that way if you go in I guess it, like I hate putting it that way, but I guess it makes you feel a little more free to practice the way you yes. would genuinely practice. Like not, like not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily yeah. always prescribing an antibiotic or whatever, because you know that you can actually do what you would really do for a yeah. patient. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it. That's an yeah. excellent point. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed the free clinic, but it is a little wearing. That's just me being forward because a lot of these people are just, they have, they have, so there's people that have really hard lives. We just even the fact that you can go to PA school is such a blessing, like that you even have that as an option. There are people who just don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so to see those people that live in the United States of America, you know what I mean? We're not talking about like a third world country, like it can be heartbreaking where it can kind of wear on you, kind of keep that in mind. There are people who didn't have like access to vehicles, like they literally walked to the clinic or they caught a ride with somebody. They would sit there in the waiting room for hours just so that they could have somebody pick them up or figure out a way to get back to where they live. I can't even imagine what it would be like to live under those circumstances. Yeah. Yes, it definitely puts things in perspective as far as, like, how blessed we are. For sure. Where do you think the PA profession is headed? I see, like, they just changed their name to Physician Associate, which I think is excellent. I'm super proud of that change that's coming through right now. I think that there's a very bright future. I mean, I do wish that we had as many... I don't know, people in our camp, so to speak, is like nurses do, because nurse practitioners, you know, they have the whole nursing profession, and so it just can't be overemphasized to get involved, to be mm. a member of your, like, state organization, you know, to actually contribute, not only financially, but your time to, you know, help improve our rights as, 
you know, position as associates, position assistants, however you want to word it right now. We're in the transition mode. So, but I do think that the future's bright. I don't think the, the profession's going anywhere. We just want to make the profession stand its ground and get as many rights as we should have as highly educated people who have the ability and intelligence and education and experience and all of it to provide for patients in, the, in every legal way. It, I mean, for example, like during COVID, so many states passed it to where PAs didn't have to have a, any oversight, any mm-hmm. like physician oversight, and then COVID goes away and that's taken away. So we were okay to provide for people independently when, when there's a pandemic, but when the pandemic goes away, suddenly we don't have the yeah. confidence to do so. Super it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. PAs can absolutely independently provide for patients, and that's what I would like to see happen. In every state, we, are, we don't have to have physician oversight and that we can practice and that we were given the same amount of respect respect that um, nurse practitioners are given. Yes, and yes, yes, Love yes. It. Yes Love to it. all of that. Um, okay, so last question. We ask this to everyone. Who is Holly when the white coat comes off? I have so many hobbies that all kind of took a back seat with having three kids because when you have kids, like, your life is over. <laughs> I mean that as a joke, but there's some seriousness there. He's like, no, but okay. no, really. <laughs> But in all seriousness, like last year, I actually took my kids skiing for the first time. So I'm an, I love to snowboard. I snowboarded multiple times every year up until like I had children, basically. And then once I had kids, I basically kind of took a back seat for a while because there's a lot going on when you're working and you have children. But now my kids are not actually, my daughter's getting ready to turn 10. My son is seven. And so they're at an age now where I can actually kind of teach them the things that I find enjoyable. And so they picked up on skiing like that. I mean, I snowboard. We put them in ski school just because it's easier. Because they're closer to the ground when they fall. I know. So (laughs) true. They're fearless, right? And so to see, actually, we went through like the the little small park, you know, with the little tiny jumps and stuff like that. And I have my little son video doing these little jumps on his ski. And we're talking about like day three, day four being ever. And like by himself. So I can't tell you how gratifying that is to have kids and to be like, yay. Like you're doing it, so I don't know. I just to pass on something that I really enjoy my kids. So when the white comes coat comes off, I really enjoy being outdoors. I love hiking. I love snowboarding. I love running. I love I love watching sports. I'm hugely into football. So when like the fall comes along, I'm the girl who's telling her husband, get out of the way. You're in front of the TV. <laughs> like I'm about to miss this play. Like I'm the backwards woman. Like, I'm totally, oh, they just missed it. Like, you know, I scream at the TV and I tell the coaches they stink. So I'm, I'm big into sports. And yeah. I distinctly remember you beating your husband in a 5K. I always beat him. We did a 5K. We've done multiple 10Ks, and I always win. So that's... I love it. Oh, uh, he could do it, but you know, I don't know. But us women, us women, we're just a little more competitive, I think. So I would die trying. Let's do that. Just enjoying the life we have. That's why I said, PA, you finish a PA school is the start of your life. So when you get done, it's not the end point; it's the beginning. And Think about like what you want to do when your white coat comes off, you know, what you want to do with your time, because you've got a long life ahead and so many fun things out here that you can do. So just look forward to that. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for being on our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And for any students who are interested as pre-PA clinic, we have a membership to serve students just like you. You can find more. Follow us at PrePA Clinic on Instagram or prepaclinic.com. Join our membership for both PrePA Clinic, 
students and for PA didactic and clinical students. So Holly, if anybody, any listener wants to get in touch with you to ask you more questions about anything on the podcast, uh, on this episode, where can they find you? They can email me. That's no problem at all. It's actually just my name. So it's hollyapadaka at gmail.com. So, so reach out to us if you need that name. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, it's a weird name, so, but they can spell it for you. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. This has been amazing. You've given so much amazing advice, and we'll have to have you back soon. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. All right, see you next time. Bye.